This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. All right, on the 28th of March, it's the Bob Olin Show. Here as we're well into spring now, Bob. It's just not looking very spring-like. <laughs> it isn't. You know, I'm uh, pulling together a few weather statistics <laughs> from the winter, and uh, as you might know, and uh, we're going to have more complete data when we get done with the month of March here, and we'll share that with you as well. But we have had quite a winter. It's interesting. We've had uh, average temperatures that have been a little bit above normal. Uh, that would be daytime temperatures or highs about three-tenths of a degree. It's the evening or the low temperatures that kind of surprised me. They've been about 2.3 degrees above normal. We obviously have had... Uh, more precipitation about three inches above and snowfall depth about 24 inches above <laughs> and that's just through what we call meteorological uh, winter which right. is December, January and February we got March coming up so I don't need to tell people this but uh, we've had more precipitation and it's been slightly warmer so where does this leave us coming into the spring? Uh, Dave, it'll be pretty interesting. Fortunately not a lot of uh, not a lot of frost in the ground so with a nice slow melt which we've had so far we'll get a lot of this in we'll get some soil moisture coming up so we are definitely looking forward to a very very nice planting period coming into the spring bob you've got a special guest that you want to introduce too Yes, we do. Uh, we're going to have a little fun today. We've right. got Troy, Sol- Troy Salzer, and uh, Troy is an agriculturalist and an extension educator, University of Minnesota Extension in St. Louis County, and he's going to uh, uh, share some of his insights with us. We've got a major event coming up on April 15th, our spring gardening extravaganza, and the theme this year is uh, designing your northern cottage garden, so we're going to have a number of very interesting components that are going to come in there. We've got a great designer that's going to share his insights, a true professional. And we've got a rose expert that introduced uh, several rose varieties, uh, shrub rose varieties that really are going throughout the world. Uh, Julie Overham, uh, Troy is going to actually help us, the gentleman that we're going to talk with briefly here. Uh, he's also going to take a look at cottage garden fruits. Now, the cottage gardens came about in England in the uh, early 1800s, uh, kind of popularized by the, this Netflix uh, series called The Bridgertons. So I've subtitled this, Blame This All on the Bridgertons. There's a lot of interest in garden, cottage gardens. So we're going to take a look at the perennials that went in those. We're going to take a look at the edibles, including the herbs. Just feel really fortunate. I've got a contractor that's going to share how you would put in walkways. Uh, he was the first individual to bring pavers into Duluth, so that's going to be the morning. But then we get into the afternoon, and this is where we're, we've called this uh, growing your horticultural or gardening knowledge and skill set. And we've got 13 different workshops. You can pick from three over a period of 45-minute uh, sessions in the afternoon. And one of those is going to be, in fact, uh, pruning fruit trees. So with that, I will introduce uh, Troy Salzer, and Troy's going to handle that particular uh, educational session for us. Are you with us, Troy? Good morning, Bob. Thank you for the invitation this morning. I really appreciate uh, to both of you. Good morning. Troy, you know, it's kind of fun. We're talking about a beautiful day here today with the sun out at this particular time. It's not a bad time. We got, what, three, four feet of snow on the ground out there. And uh, Troy and I shared my experience, did a little maple serving, a little pruning on the weekend on snowshoes, and wound up getting my tails caught and doing a nice little face plant. So I'd like the, the turtle on its back trying to get up off those things. 
But it is try, an ideal time to be uh, doing some pruning on the fruit trees, even if you do have to strap on the uh, the snowshoes. And it actually elevates you, so you don't have to do much work off a stepladder. So why are we going to prune uh, this time of year, Troy? You're exactly right. It's a perfect time of the year to get out and uh, do this sort of thing. Uh, afternoons, uh, uh, they're uh, nice and temperatures really give you the opportunity to uh, – uh, work even without gloves uh, in certain circumstances. Uh, we actually had a pruning workshop uh, or several, three pruning workshops um, uh, last week. Uh, and during that time, uh, you do need snowshoes at this point in time. Uh, I stepped off the trail and went down clear to my armpits and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, <clears throat> nearly six feet tall. So with that in mind, uh, we do have to be cautious. But the, the nice part about this time of the year is it gives the uh, plants the opportunity to uh, properly seal off so that we don't increase the risk of uh, disease getting into those, uh, into those uh, fruit trees uh, before the, uh, the uh, actual uh, plant, uh, in essence, comes to life for the spring. And uh, we want that seal uh, to occur, that natural seal to occur um, uh, with that tree in advance of uh, uh, spring beginning. Yeah, that's just great, and we're coming into a dormant prune here. It also tends to be uh, very stimulating for new growth uh, if you do it this time as opposed to uh, mid-season. It's not, not a great idea generally to be pruning uh, uh, fruit trees in particular when we've got uh, all of that uh, leaf cover on there. So it's an ideal time that way. And as you mentioned, uh, it's relatively comfortable in the afternoons out there for sure uh, to be working at this particular time. Uh, Troy, a lot of folks, uh, all of a sudden, uh, pruning is a a new venture for them. Maybe they've inherited a piece of property, moving into a piece of property, and they've got a tree that's never been pruned. So there you've got a big tangle involved there. Could you address that issue just a little bit? Yeah, that is a really super common question for folks. Uh, They they have this old tree. Uh, One of the sites that we were at actually had numerous uh, trees that, I would say in the the range of age from from five years old to twenty five years old, and really had never been pruned, and uh, that really causes a lot of uh, issue with those trees. Uh, as uh, part of the pruning process, really is to um, be strategic about how we uh, uh, identify good strong branch attachment. Uh, we want to open it up so that uh, there's adequate airflow, so we have to or have the ability to minimize the uh, disease risk by allowing that air to flow through there. In addition to that, if we get a good heavy fruit load um, or fruit set, um, if that structure isn't adequate to hold that weight, um, we can uh, see damage uh, occurring uh, and and as we prune, we want to shape that tree as well so that uh, that we have uh, uniform sort of uh, ripening uh, so that the uh, sun throughout the course of the year is able to hit that fruit uh, and cause that ripening to occur. So all really critical components of uh, why we want to 
want to strategically uh, go ahead and, and work on that uh, pruning process at this point. That's great, Troy. And uh, is there such a thing as over pruning? Should this be done over a period of time when you've got an old tree like that? And this is quite common. We see it all the time, of course, when people want to bring them back to life and it's stimulating. But is there such a thing as being too aggressive and over pruning? You can actually go to a point of over pruning. We generally talk about the aspects of removing approximately 25% of the wood. And and generally, uh, as you look at that, um, as you're pruning, uh, that ends up being a fairly significant pile of branches or can in that particular case, because uh, ultimately uh, you've got your, your main trunk and, and those main branches. Um, so cutting off some of the uh, younger wood uh, won't contribute quite as much. But... Um, uh, the strategy that uh, I'd encourage folks to think about is kind of uh, um, identify the uh, branches that you're looking to uh, prune out long run uh, and uh, work from there, looking at removing approximately one-third of uh, uh, the pruning uh, over a th course of three years on especially those larger uh, trees uh, to make that process uh, complete. Uh, that's great. And, you know, a lot of people have put uh, new trees in the ground, and that's not going to be quite as difficult if you do it on an annual basis. Wouldn't you agree that uh, maybe it's one or two or three strategic cuts that are done this time of year, and that's all you have to be concerned about on a young tree? Uh, completely. And, and part of that is um, by doing those strategic cuts, uh, you uh, maintain your, your leader as a uh, you want that tree to grow to approximately a certain size. Um, uh, but as you're doing that, you also are impacting the density of, of that tree, increasing the size of that trunk, uh, forcing more growth into girth as compared to height. And that will strengthen your tree. Uh, in those strategic moves now impact the health of that tree um, for years to come. So I, I really agree with you, Bob. Um, uh, it's really important to uh, be diligent. And, it, and if you keep up with it, it isn't such a big project um, where it doesn't seem as if it is overwhelming. So keeping after it is a really good strategy. I like those ideas. And, you know, it's, it was kind of what we call the shoulder season. We're thinking about planting gardens and uh, we got late winter that's kind of dragging on here, but it really is a a good activity and your point that you're you're actually improving the overall strength of the tree. You know, there's only so much energy stored in those trees and they are living in the winter. People must remember that the leaves aren't there, but you've got a living plant there with a lot of carbohydrate reserves. And as you say, uh, Troy, if you can get those reserves into improving the strength and the girth of, uh, of that main leader, uh, you've done uh, really what you can to ensure the longevity of the tree. You know, a good apple will produce for how many years, Dave Strandberg, there? You've got a, a Harrelson that's producing for how many years? Oh, it's got to uh, be at least Dave? 45 or so. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And uh, wow. very, very productive trees. Mm -hmm. So pruning when they're young, uh, Troy, I think is essential if you want a tree to be productive 40 years from now. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. And the the thing is, is as you uh, place that tree, uh, you really want to do a good job in identifying the location, airflow, sun. Uh, will there be shade in the future? Obviously, to have a tree persist for that many years, you've done a good job in relationship to uh, taking good care of it. Um, and, you know, uh, people as they uh, come to these pruning classes or different workshops like that, they, they sometimes are embarrassed. Uh, well, I've not really done something to that tree or helped it for a couple of years. That doesn't mean you can't recover. Um, uh, being diligent about it, taking uh, 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 the time and putting forth the effort can really uh, help that process along um, from year to year. That's just great. And, uh, you know, the nice thing, uh, part of this is developing some of the skill set is you really have to be shown how you're going to take these particular cuttings and where the branch collar is. There's, you know, there's both uh, science and art that gets involved in this pruning process. And uh, Troy will be with us on April 15th doing a workshop session in the afternoon specifically on pruning, as well as some uh, other great material on uh, on soil fertility. Uh, Troy, I want while you're on the line here, can you give me your insights in terms of uh, this snow load, what it's going to do for spring planting and soil moisture? So I'm really excited uh, uh, about the the amount of snow that we've had. Um, there were periods of dry uh, last summer, uh, not quite as bad as the previous year for most folks in uh, in uh, St. Louis County. But uh, uh, with that in mind, with the minimal amount of frost, if any, that is out there. Um, this snow is, is uh, melting at a, a nice pace. Um, having those cold nights really allow for the, uh, the process, the melting process to stop and uh, the soil is just sucking up uh, all of this moisture. Um, we've seen very little uh, movement in river height and uh, that's exciting to me because that tells me that a majority of that is uh, moving into the ground. By recharging this, we will uh, have a, a great season uh, to begin with. Um, you know, uh, I'd encourage you to focus on starting your uh, raised beds as they'll warm up faster and they won't have the potential risk of that um, saturated soil. Um, because when, when we get that soil up to the right temperature with the right amount of moisture, it gets those seeds germinated, and a healthy plant really will set that up for uh, uh, good production, but also it'll decrease the risk in regards to things like funguses and, and insects throughout the course of the years. So thinking that through really is, uh, is exciting. Um, Every year about this time, you start thinking about ordering seeds or buying plants, and um, it's, it's really uh, awesome from that standpoint. It is, uh, Troy, and I know you and I both got uh, dirt on our fingernails. Uh, with all the turmoil in the world and all of the news we have to be involved with and listen to, uh, isn't growing something uh, just a very positive activity for everyone in our community? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, seeing that uh, growth from start to finish and harvesting and, and utilizing that product in your own home, creating the beauty of the home, sharing that beauty with others, uh, it's really uh, fantastic from, from my point of view. 
so well said. I really want to thank uh, thank Troy and thank him for participating in a Spring Gardening Extravaganza. If you want more details, you can just Google that, Spring Gardening Extravaganza. But we do have uh, in the afternoon some very dedicated workshops. So we've, we've titled that Improving Your Gardening Knowledge and Skills. So everything from pruning uh, fruit trees to propagating house plants to uh, some winter storage ideas. I'm going to do a little segment on, uh, uh, I've called it filling the pantry, where we're going to look at maximizing yield and how you can actually get economic return out of your smaller vegetable uh, crops, as well as uh, some ideas about growing vertically and uh, maximizing the amount of space. Uh, boy, I really appreciate the fact Troy was able to join us and appreciate the fact that he's so been so involved with the spring extravaganza down at the depot on April 15th. You can just Google spring gardening extravaganza, all the details, and you can register online. We do have a very nice pre-registration, so we may be limited in terms of space and how many we can accommodate. So get in early if you want to be involved. Just spring gardening extravaganza, St. Louis County, University of Minnesota Extension. Thank you very much, Troy, for uh, your insights, and uh, happy pruning. I <laughs> uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, you Bob. I hope you guys have a great day. All right, Troy, thanks much. It is 934. We'll be back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up. And we are back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And, Bob, this is a very special day, the 28th of March. It is National Weed Appreciation Day. And that's not the weed you're I, thinking of. We're I learn so much from you yeah. every, every week, Dave. Uh, that is good to know. Yes. Uh, will, you, will you define weed for me, please? Americans, uh, <laughs> are, uh, ecologists are reminding Americans that many plants that we call weeds are actually beneficial to us and our ecosystems. So we're talking <laughs> natural weeds like, I suppose, dandelions and what have you. Native people have used so-called weeds for food and medicine throughout history. Observers should take the time to identify the many uses of plants that grow in their neighborhoods and uh, take caution to avoid herbicides and pesticides if you're going to pick weeds for your next garden salad. That's the uh, well thing to be aware of. There we have. Now, so, that's yeah. very, very interesting. You were telling us before that people use dandelions in salads. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we've got this phenomenon that originated in one of the towns over there in Wisconsin called <laughs> No Mow May. Oh, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was Appleton or someplace, and that right. kind of spread. And it spread into one of the uh, more wealthy uh, Twin City suburbs of Dinah, <laughs> where they had a No Mow May. Wow. I'm not sure how that went there, but... Uh, it is all very interesting. What it shows is there is an appreciation, I think, for the diversity of our ecosystem. Uh, nature is a way of uh, filling open spaces. It absorbs a vacuum, which is great. You get something to fill in uh, those bare spaces. You don't want uh, soil erosion and, and so forth. It's kind of interesting because I think, like so many things, uh, Weeds can be your friend or they can be your enemy, and they can really compete with some of the crops that you're trying to grow. And I did mention I'm going to do this uh, little bit on maximizing your garden space, and I'm going to take just a small little area and see what we can produce out of it. And uh, one of the things we're going to have to do is anything that's a competing plant, i.e. a weed, it's defined just as a plant out of place, uh, we're going to have to eliminate those because we want to get some food production out of that small garden plot as well. All right. Well, uh, it's a little early for us for National Weed Appreciation Day. There's no weeds growing at this point, but I suppose in a lot of the country the weeds have already started. So 
That's why yeah, today is the day. Today is the day. And like yeah. I say, uh, I learned so much from you, uh, and you've always got something <laughs> that you bring to my attention there, Dave. Yeah, no mow May this year is going to be easy because we'll still have snow on the ground probably. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, here's, <laughs> right. The, uh, here's the interesting thing. What we learned from last year, and, you know, we're always learning. That's the yeah. great thing about, uh, you know, we're getting on in age. Not you, Dave, but the rest of us are still moving on here. But, you know, you keep your mind sharp by constantly learning. Now, what we learned from last season, we had – uh, a challenging winter as well, and we had some snow in May, if people could recall, <laughs> and it basically delayed everyone's planting plans. So this year, now, the interesting thing is we've got a nice slow melt now, but if this were to turn into a fast melt, uh, we could be uh, down to bare soil in very short period of time. It's still very early, of course, but you want to watch two things. Coming into the month of May, you really want to watch both the calendar as well as the thermometer. And uh, we don't want to put any frost-sensitive plants out. We don't want to do a lot of uh, direct seeding into wet, cold soils. So we want soils to warm up. But what can often happen is, remember, every day the day gets a little longer, and we don't want to miss that uh, early season planting. So you might have uh, have to delay your planting, but don't delay it until mid-June, which happened to so many people. Uh, they just didn't uh, buy... I work closely, of course, with our greenhouse industry and May sales because of the snow were very, very slow. And then people came back in June to buy their peppers and tomatoes. And by that time and the time they got them in, we missed a major portion of the season. So my thoughts are learning from last year. If we have one of these very, very cool springs coming, suddenly things will warm up very quickly. So you've got to be ready to go. And maybe it's the... Uh, the last uh, couple of days in May, first couple of days in June, uh, you really can't be deceived. Uh, the calendar's moving on, light is moving on. We really have to get those plants in the ground. So that's what I'm bringing in mind because I was a little slow. I couldn't get in in many cases as well, and so I, a lot of my crops were delayed. So anyway, Dave, uh, that's really good uh, good information that you provided on, on uh, whatever is going to come up here in the month of uh, right. April as well as May. Let's uh, head to the phone real quick. Hi, who's this? Oh, this is Dolores. All right, Dolores, what's going on? Well, I want to ask Bob a question about uh, the vinca vine. Years yes. ago, my, uh, well, my, see, I've been married to my husband for 54 years, and his mother was a very avid gardener they had beautiful outdoor gardens all the time and uh color coordinating and all and she allowed Whoa. me to take one of her uh vinca vines i mean she took uh, you know parts of it and i wanted to use it as a kind of a little uh, ground cover in front of some other bushes and stuff and so i still have it i mean she i think she must have planted this sometime maybe in the 50s or something so it's an old old plant you know that's been continuing but I right. see for mine, you know, some years it's not so good, and then other years it comes up, and I've got it in several places. But I don't want to lose it. And so I'd like no. to know what I should do with this Ooh. vine. I mean, where? what is the best kind of uh, places for it? I've had it in areas where it's – well, I have a lot of shade because I've got trees. And so I'm sure. wondering where I should – Put it so that it'll just kind of keep going and endure. I'm getting too old to do a lot of big gardening stuff anymore. I'm just trying to draw things together and uh, kind of put something there that that'll be, you know, going on as years go by. Oh, sure. 
You know, you bring up a point. This really has uh, family value. It's what I call one of our heirloom heirloom and heritage plants, and uh, it has significance because of its history there. Let me ask you, you got shade. Um, are you getting any flowering from uh, from your vinca? Oh, yes. Every year there's flowers that I say, oh, there's some vinca vine. You know, because it kind of travels here and there, and then I see, you know, see it growing here and there, you know. So, and every once yes. in a while, I've through the years, I've kind of dug some up and then tried to find some good places to put it, you know, just in the same area. But, you know, it renewed the soil and stuff like that. But um, anyway, that's, yes. that's the way it goes. <laughs> but I do yeah, get flowers. Our... I do get flowers on them. Oh, that's wonderful. And, uh you know, for folks that uh, may not be really familiar with Vinca, that one of the common names is periwinkle from the flowers, which are rather distinctive. Uh, the fact that you're, you've got flowers, that takes a little more sunlight, so your shade is not 100% deep shade, so that's encouraging to me. I think, once again, uh, a site uh, where you can look for a little bit more shade, if you want to take some cuttings early or moving them around in early May, uh, I think you could do that, areas where you can see them emerge. Uh, the, the earlier in May, we could move them. I think on the existing plant, a uh, little bit of fertility, uh, not on anything you move. We want to let those uh, plants kind of adjust because anytime you add any fertilizer, uh, that's that can be a stress to a, a young plant. So only on those areas where you've got established vines as they emerge early in the spring, I would... I would probably, if there's good drainage, um, you know, maybe a, a little water soluble. I'll use a name brand here. People are familiar with Miro Grow. That's a 1530. Was a 153015. Now it's a 23246.5 or something like that. Heavier on the nitrogen. You you could use a little bit of a solution there. Uh, as we're coming, as the plant is growing and uh, after it's emerged, you're beginning to see the leaves emerge at that particular point. That'd be before flowering, of course. We don't want to go too early with a little fertility. But if the drainage is good, I would say um, you can certainly uh, take some of the roots and you can reestablish those in better areas, again, with your heavier shade. And that shade gets heavier every year the trees grow. So you want to look for the sunny, good sun, good drainage. And then uh, uh, some fertility, just a little miracle grow. You can mix it up in an old milk jug. That's about a gallon. And they generally recommend about a tablespoon of these uh, water-soluble fertilizers per gallon. You might want to back off on that a little bit to a half a tablespoon or a couple of teaspoons in there per gallon. And after the plants have emerged and you've got full leaves, so we don't want to go too early there. We want the soils to warm. We want the plant to be actively growing. And then some water-soluble fertilizer on the established areas, and then you can take uh, even earlier than that, just as they emerge, you can dig some of the plants up and, and transplant them into a well-drained, uh, full-sun location. Uh, stay away from any of the fertility, again, on the new transplant, on the older ones. And I think, and we talked about weeds. Obviously, a weed's going to be a competitor, competitor. If you've got other weeds that are moving in there, uh, you can just, and cultivate and remove some of the competition. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for the call. we got to take a break, Bob, and we'll be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up. All right, final portion of the Bob Olin Show. Bob, I wonder, is the uh, sap running in your maple tree yet? <laughs> you know, I'm over the hill uh, where <laughs> I uh, do a little a bit of uh, surfing, and yeah. uh, no, not much yet. Okay. No, no, I know folks. 
folks that were in town where it's a little warmer told me they had a pretty good couple of days. So right. uh, ideally, you know, what we need is we need uh, temperatures in the 40s during the day and about 20s during the night. So actually, we're a little cooler than that right now. So it really hasn't begun it, but we're looking forward to another good maple sapping year. Yeah, the, the lows are going pretty good, but the highs just aren't there yet. <laughs> Not quite yet, no, yeah. but it'll come, and, uh, you All know, right. things are delayed a little bit, and maybe that heavy snowpack and so forth, but, right. you know, we are fortunate. We've got so much going for us in the Northland. We do have a, uh, a you know, a small maple syrup industry. We were very familiar with what Ontario has and the big producers out in Vermont and so forth, and we have uh, several significant commercial producers in the area, and uh, they've. And what I heard from one of them was there's ready to go but still kind of waiting for the major sap flow which does come a little bit of concern about uh, with global warming about the uh, the maple trees and so forth and hopefully uh, it doesn't damage things too much we've seen a little bit of dieback on some of the maple populations and hopefully uh, they're not impacted too greatly by this but at this point we've still got uh, maple syrup out there so that's uh, that's one of the real nice things about the area you know, Dave, uh, maybe we talked a little bit about pruning. Great time to do it. I mm-hmm. just wanted to mention quickly, if you have a young tree, now uh, fruit trees in particular, apples are going to be, I'm sure this year and the last couple of years, in short supply because of the interest that we have in, in planting things. It's a, it's a long-term venture. The fact you've got a tree that's very productive after 45 years. So people will invest in a high-quality tree, but you've got to get through these young years and uh, one of the issues uh, can be damage, and we've talked about protecting them, damage from some of the rodents out there, and it's going to be very interesting once the snow melts to see, to kind of uh, do a little reconnaissance, see how much potential damage might have occurred this year. But I want to mention on very smooth bark trees, we've got this issue with sun scald on the sunny side of the tree where during the day, even a day when the temperature isn't above freezing, that sun gets very warm on the bark, and the uh, moisture and the, the water and the sap begins to flow up that outside layer, uh, what we call uh, the vascular tissue there. And then when either a cloud comes over or, or the sun sets, uh, we've got all this moisture up in the vascular tissue, and then uh, this moisture freezes and then crystallizes. So we get this phenomenon called sun scald damage. Now, it doesn't kill the tree overall, so if you're not going to do anything to protect it, uh, it won't necessarily kill your tree, but it certainly does set it back. So we want to do everything we can. We've got a lot of uh, young tissue above the snow line right now, so it's very vulnerable. That the, During the day, the, uh, we get this reflect off the snow, we get the bright sun on the bark, and we get sap that begins to flow, and then it, uh, it breaks apart. Uh, the ice crystals damage that tissue. So... At this point, if you're out there on your snowshoes, you're doing some pruning, don't hesitate to either put a white latex paint. This is what's done commercially and where I had a number of trees. It's just so much easier. to You just need that white latex paint. Stay away from any oil-based paints, and you obviously have to be above freezing because these are water-based. Just get it on there, uh, uh, paint it on. Don't get an aerosol, but just paint a white latex paint, or you can use a craft tree wrap. If you've got a couple of trees, it doesn't take a lot of time. But it certainly can uh, avoid this issue known as sun scald. Very, very damaging to a tree this time of year. Very good. We got one more quick call. I think we can get to. Hi, who's this? Hi, it's Corey. Oh, Corey, what's up? Uh, do I need some time to ask Bob a question? Sure, if it's quick. All right. Hello, Corey. 
Hello, Bob. See, I got a birch tree in my backyard, and it has the main trunk that comes straight up, and then it has it has another trunk that comes off of the side of it. And it was hit by lightning a couple of years ago, and that one whole side has died. Should I cut that off? Yes, I would. I'd go ahead and I'd cut it very, very carefully. You're going to get some bleeding from the birch, but still we want to cut it at this time of year. Uh, make sure when you make your cut that you uh, you don't leave any jagged areas down near the base where water can collect because that's an entry point for uh, water into the interior of your birch. Uh, definitely, if it's dead and dying, you want to get it pruned up, you want to get it cleaned up, and just think about uh, where that rain might pocket and make sure you don't leave any pockets on the main stem where water can collect. And when should I, should I do that right now? You certainly can do it right now. You are going to get bleeding because uh, as we come into the year, but the tree recovers from that. So I think uh, any time now coming into the spring, I would go ahead and prune it up. Oh, great. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Nice quick call there. Appreciate that. Uh, Bob, we got to say goodbye for another week, but uh, we'll do this again next Tuesday. How's that? A lot of fun. Thank you for cooperating. <laughs> I want to thank Troy Salzer for yeah. joining us there. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to share some of these insights with the public, Dave. Yeah, and your big show is coming up on the 15th. Give us the details on how we find out more and get tickets. Yeah, 15th, uh, down at the depot. I'm getting all kinds of proofs from material that's being developed. We do put together a book. People will get a resource book. It's typically 100 pages of Contents developed specifically April 15th at Zippo. Just go spring gardening extravaganza. It'll bring you up in the St. Louis County's website. You can register. You can get some more of the details right there. But register early. We are going to be full. We were standing room only last year, and I'm afraid we're going to have even more people that want to get in this year. All right. Thanks, Bob. More Bob Olin again next week here on KDAL. show has been brought to you by dan's garden center located inside dan's feed bin on hammond avenue in superior and by matilda's dog bakery and pet nutrition center in lakeside across from the lake walk